We all have heard horror stories of how a remodel nearly tore a couple apart, as well as how impactful our environment can be on our state of well-being. Remodels don't have to end in divorce, and we can reflect our true selves in our environment with the right approach. Welcome to Psychotecture. My name is Rachel Melvald, and I'm a psychotherapist and designer. Psychotecture was developed as a methodological approach to ease issues that come up in design challenges, as well as a philosophy on how our environment can reflect our highest selves. Each week, I will interview an expert in the field of design and psychology to shed light on design challenges. I will also have a special series called The Psychotech is In, where I can offer help to those in design intervention need. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast, as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Melvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me at my website, psychotecture.com, or rachel at psychotecture.com. Welcome to the Psychotech is in. We are back into our contractor series with my partner in crime, Kevin Garnier, and we're just wanting to get into more of the nuts and bolts on what does a contractor actually do, how do we hire a contractor, and what are the steps that you can take and as our audience to make this process more accessible. First and foremost, thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure to be involved in anything that you do. And I mean that sincerely. So I'm happy, very happy to be here. Now, in terms of what a contractor does, to put it in layman's terms, it can be best described as we're like a coach. Our job is to bring all the pieces together to accomplish one goal. And that goal is, of course, set by the, uh, homeowner. So we, if the homeowner say wants their kitchen remodeled, we have to put together the best team that can handle the demolition, the cabinets, the plumbing, the electrical, the flooring, all the various trades that are required. So that's the first thing that one has to know. So you're hiring a coach, a person who's a good people manager. Some people choose to go without a contractor and it can work out okay, but it just leaves you open to so many things that could be unpleasant. And the biggest one of them is being liability for anything that goes wrong. The contractor is responsible for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Clint Eastwood, thank you very much. Uh, so if something goes wrong, you can point your finger at the contractor. Now, how does one find a contractor? Generally, the best way to find a contractor is through word of mouth. You can go on Yelp and read reviews, but every site has these uh, manufactured reviews that may or may not be from real people. So you want to ask around, ask friends, ask neighbors. You know, if you're driving by a place and you see someone having work done or whatever, you know talk to that person and people are very excited to tell you about a great person and also about a bad person. So word of mouth is the best way. You can go to the contractors board and geographically search for contractors in your area, but that's just going to tell you if they're licensed. That's not going to tell you about the quality of their work. Right. So word of mouth, I believe is 
always the way to go, finding a psychotherapist, a doctor, and a contractor. Yes, absolutely. So with you being in charge and managing everything from the foundation to electrical, plumbing, roofing, all of the (laughs) major components of a home, when somebody goes to find you and let's say from the first point of entry, they're looking at buying a fixer-upper. Yes. What does that first meeting look like? What should somebody know to ask you? You know, the first thing we have to look at are the basic things that every home needs. It needs a roof that isn't leaking. It needs electrical that functions. It needs plumbing that functions. So we look at those things first and see if the electrical box is good, for example, if the roof is nice and tight, and you know if the plumbing is working fine. And if it's not, then we put together a budget to get it back to an area where then we can expand upon that. And then, you know, after we look at that, and this can all be in the same meeting because, you know, a contractor should be able to ballpark figures. Then after we, we do that, then we, what do you want this to look like? You know, what are you trying to do? And I never ask them how much they have to spend, but I give them a realistic budget, whether it's me doing the job or someone else here's a range of what it's going to cost to give you what I think you want. And then I I send them off on their own armed with information so they can make an informed decision. (laughs) Okay. So after that meeting, you're having almost this, you're having an inspection. Yes, that's what it is. It's an inspection, not with an official inspector. You can be the inspector. Like they can hire you. Mm-hmm. to do that. Yes. And is that at first, is that a paid time that is required? Well, for me, I never charge for my time and most decent people won't because most contractors that I know won't charge for an estimate. And if they do charge for an estimate, I would say to a consumer, that's your first However small, but that's your first red flag. They're more concerned with money than they are concerned with your vision. You want someone who is just as excited about working on your house as they are excited about getting work done on their house. You want someone who cares. So, but I don't charge, no. Right. So somebody who really is excited about manifesting their vision of how they're going to design and construct their home. So in that meeting, there could potentially be the realtor if it's something they're potentially going to buy or if they own the house. Would an architect and an engineer be at that meeting or just just a contractor? Not necessarily an engineer unless all parties know beforehand that, okay, I want to add a second story. I want to do something that's structural. Then you could have an engineer there and you could have an architect. But it's not uncommon to have a contractor and an architect at a meeting like that. An engineer, not usually, not usually. Okay, so maybe the architect if needed. Yes. Okay. 
And then at that meeting, what are maybe some golden nuggets of what these potential clients, what are some questions that would really save them in the long run where you kind of go into projects where clients might not ask these crucial questions before they buy a house? You know, some of the questions are, um, you know, what sort of experience do you have doing this type of work? Do you have any references that you are working with now that I can go see the work that you just completed? How long have you been doing this work? Let me see your contractor's license card, your pocket card, as we call it. Am I insured? You have to have some sort of insurance to protect you in case things happen that are unpleasant. Is is my property insured? For example, if we take on a residential project, the property and anything that happens to it is insured for up to $2 million. Oh, okay. So yeah, you need for, to be insured. Yes, for, for up to $2 million. So the contractor has to be insured. You know, references, uh, not just pictures, but are there actual places I can drive by to see your work? Anybody can go to the internet. They can Google some pictures, uh, you know, but, uh, let me see. Go physically drive by and I have customers now who want to talk to former customers unsolicited, you know, Hey, here's their number. Give them a call and, and, you know, let's see what they say. So. Oh, more about, yeah. Uh, and then you can get into cost. You know, what does it cost to do this? What does it cost to do that? How much would it cost if I use this type of material? Really, the only bad question is the one that you don't ask. You never want to leave a meeting and go, man, why didn't I ask that question? And when you're doing the investigation or inspection, rather, mm-hmm. what are really important aspects of that home that a potential home buyer or a remodel situation to happen, what would be the, like you said, it's plumbing. Is it wiring? Plumbing, electrical, foundation, and roof. Okay. Those are the four. So foundation, roof, plumbing, and electrical. Yes. Four major areas that I don't care if you line your house with solid gold If the plumbing, the electrical, if the roof leaks, if the foundation is cracking, you don't have a house. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. That's key. Thank you for those four major bullet Mm -hmm. points. And are you a general contractor? Yes, I am. I'm a general contractor, which is a a very good question because there are all sorts of uh, other, I'm a B. But there are C, D's, A's, there are all sorts of other licenses that are called specialty trades, and they all have to be licensed as well. But a general contractor is allowed to hire any of those specialty trades to do work. But if you're, for example, electrical is a C1. If you're a C1 license, you really can't what we call subcontract work out. Only a general contractor can subcontract work out meaning hire somebody else to do it and the money flows through them. So general contractor is the guy who just manages everyone. Which is dictated by the California Department of Consumer Affairs, right? Exactly. Well, it's a CSLB, but the contractor state license board, but they are run 
managed by the Consumer Protection Agency. So yes, you are correct. And you would hire subcontractors under you? I never hire subcontractors because I have enough guys who... I can hire subcontractors, but I have enough guys where regardless of the size of the project, you know, we can get it done. But a subcontractor has to have their own license and insurance. But if I, as the contractor, me as the contractor, if I hire someone to be a subcontractor, I'm still responsible for all the work that they do. Okay. So even if you hire a subcontractor, it's under your, you're managing it under. I am it. I am the person that everybody can point a finger to. And if you're, let's say, hiring, so in your team, you have people that can, that are masons or roofers. I literally have everyone. Um, let's go back to our, our mutual friend that I always talk about, Mr. Ludacris. We're still working out at his house right now. Yeah, give us and, a um, Yeah, his house has a lot of plumbing problems right now. A lot. I mean, so much so that we're literally under the house right now changing all of his sewer pipe because they were so bad that none of the uh, sewage from the house was actually reaching the city sewer system. It just sat in his pipes and formed such cracks that it was all leaking under his house. That sounds like a nightmare. And it so is, it is gross. Is an example to, of what did he ask? when he purchased this home or what was he not seeing? That's a very good question because see, they had a home inspection, but the inspector should have warned them about a couple of things that, that we saw, you know, in the aftermath of the disaster. First of all, they called us because they have six or seven bathrooms in this house. And one of the bathrooms was leaking into the bathroom below. So every time someone used that bathroom, water would just flood the other bathroom. Well, when we we had to open up the ceiling to figure out where the water was coming from, and we found out that all of the toilets in the house were not set incorrectly. So those toilets have been leaking for five years. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, for five years. So it's a nightmare. But when I said that to say this, so his wife, had called us up there to do one thing. And then she said, no, we have an emergency. So we were coming up there to do some minor electrical work. And then here we are now doing some plumbing work. Oh, so it started as electrical. And then the crisis was a leak that exposed this major. Yeah, we had to demolish an entire bathroom to take care of the leak and and get rid of the mold. That's another, that's another thing. Yeah, so... I have to have enough guys and girls on my team to be ready to handle any situation. Right. So you will have the guys, the gals, and I love that, you know, your roofer is a woman. Is a woman. Yeah. And she sounds pretty, pretty. She is tough. Hardcore and great. At I'm afraid home. of her. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have... Instead of the subcontractors, the roofer, electricians, plumbers, right? Mm-hmm. And cabinet makers and, and even going into the interiors of the build. Yes. We had a project in Inglewood where they had a, a leak and that turned where we had to demolish the entire kitchen. So 
demolish the kitchen, get rid of the mold. Then we needed new cabinets, new flooring, update the electrical. Because anytime you change plumbing or electrical, you have to bring it up to current code. Okay. And so, so you I have to have in the know, obviously, of all the current codes, because does a city inspector then come in and, and do their own external inspection after your work? Well, yes, because you have to pull a permit for everything. Okay. So now we're on to permits. <laughs> yeah. You have to pull permits. And the reason why you pull permits is because if you add a room to your house, the permit is also for liability because the city says this is good or it's not good. So the city inspector says this work is good. Something happens and it's not good. Then you call that inspector and say, hey, man, look, you said it was good. And it turns out that it's not good. What's going on here, sir? Keeps it in checks and balances in terms of. That's what it is. It's a system of checks and balances that keeps everybody on it. And. How early should you apply for the permit? So you will apply. It depends on what you're doing. There are two types of permits. There's an express permit that doesn't require plans or a plan check. And then there's, those are also known as over-the-counter permits. Those you can walk in and whatever wait time you have, that's good. That's what you wait to get the same day. But the other type of permit, you have to have plans drawn up and they go to what's called plan check. And that's usually six to eight weeks for the city of Los Angeles. You can pay a fee for expedited, which may make that six weeks, three weeks. And then after the plans are approved, then you have to submit it for a permit. So it takes about three months maximum to get a permit for any sort of project, any sort of major project, providing that when they give you back the plans that you submit, don't require any corrections. Right. And if there's a correction, then... And they got to resubmit the plan check and we start the game all over again. So in theory, the contractor really ideally knows how to get that permit pulled as fast as possible. The the contractor knows the process. As a matter of fact, they should be well-versed, but not just the process. But they should know, you would hope they would know some of the people who are working at these building and safety offices so they can help you move it along faster. Right. So even maybe having some relationship Mm -hmm. and that office knowing you as a reliable, qualified contractor. Yes, yes, exactly. So there are some places... uh, where I go, where a lot of people know me. Now, if I don't work in those areas a lot, then they don't know me and they don't give you a hard time, but you better know the language. You better know something that doesn't make you sound like you're an amateur. Right. And so that's why somebody couldn't really do these, you know, in this DIY culture that we're seeing, they're pulling their own permits. You can pull your own permit, but it can be intimidating and it can be tough you know if you go in there and don't know that the plans have to look like this you have to have all this stuff there they really like it when you come in there prepared because it doesn't waste their time and is it with the architectural plan is it the rendering of let's say the kitchen or if it's re Mm -hmm. 
piping or plumbing? Does it have to be a visual? Yes. Not pictures, but architectural drawings of what you want done. And it has to be to scale. And what you have in those drawings, because you have to do an as-is drawing, then you have to do uh, what I want it to look like drawing, you know, before and after thing. So everything that's on those plans has to be at the job site. So in other words, if you say, I want a light here, that's where that light better be. So when the inspector comes, he or she just looks at it and go, okay, it's here, it passes, we're good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you yourself do that rendering, that drawing? I can do it, but on complex projects, I'll put it in the hands of an architect. Now, a homeowner can do it themselves. They don't have to be done professionally, but it just looks better. It just looks better when it's done professionally. In the long run, I think it saves you a lot more money. Right. Just to do it right in terms of the actual plan being drawn. If it's extensive, you'll get the architect to do it. Absolutely. If it's something basic, like, like say a foundation retrofit, I'll usually do those earthquake retrofit. I usually do that myself because I know that stuff quite well. And that's essential to do the earthquake retrofit that. Oh, earthquake retrofits. In Southern California, I, I would hope everybody gets their house retrofitted, you know, which is just really bolting it to the foundation. Most of the damage during an earthquake comes when houses slide off of their foundation. The foundation is usually is at least two feet into the ground. So that'll hold pretty much. And, and it's usually at least a foot wide under the perimeter of the house. So. And is that a legal requirement in the state of California or? Yes. In any sort of house or dwelling, you have what are called footings. And footings are those generally for residential. If it's just a one-story house, they're generally 12 feet wide, two feet deep. And the length of it depends on how many square feet the house has. I see. And you can carry that out in your work. And one last thing I wanted to ask you before we end today, what about the building in Miami? Did you hear? I just think that is, uh, I heard someone, a structural engineer on TV put it, and we don't mean this in a bad way, but this is stuff that happens in third world countries. This should not happen in America. Right. Particularly in major cities, someone messed up. Someone saw a report and just overlooked it. And said, oh, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Well, now we know. And I cannot imagine being those people. You know, there you go to sleep at a certain time and you wake up, you know, dead. You know what I mean? That's just. Unreal. It's unreal. You know, it just shouldn't have happened. But now we're starting to have stories come out that that building needed back in 2018, $9 million worth of repairs. Oh my goodness. Extensive. Yeah. So someone is going to lose their job as they should. Several someones are going to get fired as they should because it's horrible. Those people's lives are changed forever. I can barely watch that story on the news now because it's just horrific. It is. Our hearts go out to anyone who knows people in that building and waiting for and hoping for them to see if they're alive. Yes. And it's just, you know, the like you as the contractor, it's, it's 
psychologically speaking, like in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we look at safety, our foundation. And as a contractor, you're really holding the safety of people. Yes, you are. You really, really are. Your job is to make sure that you leave them in a better position than when you first met them. And to hold that and to support them in the foundation and their inner workings of their home. And I find in closing, Kevin, that you are such a trusted resource, partner, supportive, just human being to share your inner knowing and giving us the nuts and bolts, no pun, of how we go about really working with a contractor and what are these key questions to make sure we don't have a home that collapse or we find a major plumbing disaster and mold. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, not to go back to the point, but that's why permits and inspections are so important because really that building in Florida, it's going to lie with the building and safety department and the engineers of that city because it should have never, ever gotten to that point after it had an inspection three years ago. Right. And this is why we have inspectors and we have... Exactly. While it can be quite a pain and sometimes they prevent progress and they can seem difficult at times, right? Mm -hmm. This is a safety measure to protect us. And lastly, actually, one more question. I was thinking of a bonded contractor. That is, uh, you are not a contractor in California unless you have a bond. Okay, gotcha. Okay. You're financially protecting the yeah. home. Yeah, you're financially protecting the home and the homeowner. So you are, you can't, they will not issue a license unless you have a bond. It's like chicken or the egg thing. You got to have them both simultaneously. Okay, yeah. great. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. My indeed honor and pleasure. And we look forward to talking to you again and and hearing about the progress on Ludacris's house. Thank God you're saving (laughs) the day. Yes, we'll we'll be out of there, believe it or not, fingers crossed, in two weeks. We're also working on his swimming pool, believe it or not. So it's a lot of stuff. I mean, the most most important part of the house. (laughs) yeah, Yeah, and we fixed his internet. He didn't, oh. you know, he, he came in there one day and his wife was complaining about uh, the internet not working. And I guess when you have his type of money, you don't really get into the nuts and bolts of anything. He said, okay, I've looked. I don't care what you have to do. Just make it work. So we did. Now the internet is working. Saving his yeah. plumbing and now doing the pool. So yeah, do, doing the pool, they have cracks in it. So we have to drain it and, uh, and resurface it. So that's a whole nother episode. (laughs) That's a whole nother episode. And I look forward to sharing that with you and your listeners. So, yes. Thank you. Well, keep cool. And you are cool. You're the coolest contractor I know. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Rachel. Bye-bye. Great, Kevin. Bye-bye. This is Psychotecture by Rachel Malvald with coaching, consultation, and psychotherapy offered virtually and in home throughout the Los Angeles greater area and nationally. 
We work to ease design challenges to create transformative habitats. Thank you, and we look forward to the next episode and your questions. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast, as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Melvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me at my website, psychotecture.com, or rachel at psychotecture.com.